353 revolutions around the sun and other ordinary miracles. Written by Magnolia822 and read by Literarian. Chapter 1 England 1066 Summary Crowley and Haziraphale are lovers. They are also adversaries. But neither of them can risk admitting what it means. So it was all over. William of Normandy had defeated Harold, and the Anglo-Saxon troops, who had not been destroyed with him, were routed from the field. There would be a new king in England, a conqueror, and Aziraphale was depressed. He'd done his best, of course. He'd advised Harold that going into battle posed a serious risk to his crown, not to mention his life, but Harold had laughed him off. He wouldn't be seen as a coward in front of his men. So he was dead, and so was his bloodline, and so were a good number of his troops. Aziraphale couldn't help feeling that he had failed, even though another part of him was sure it all must be part of the divine plan. Still, after several days walking the field of suffering and death, blessing those who were about to be called to heaven and doing his best to take away the pain of their last dying breaths, he couldn't help wondering why God's plan included so much destruction. Most of the soldiers were dressed as Saxons, but there were quite a few Normans as well, and Aziraphale blessed them too. They bled and hurt, the same as any other. He wasn't expecting to find Crowley among the dying. Aziraphale's heart stopped. He dropped the hand of the dead man he'd been helping to transition and stepped quickly over the few bodies that lay between him and the demon. It was unmistakably Crowley. His red hair lay spilled on the ground, shorter than the last time Aziraphale had seen it, the colour muted by mud, and who knew what other horrors. His eyes were closed, and his long limbs were splayed out as though he were a sacrifice. He was dressed like a Norman, of course he was, but as a common foot-soldier, without the armour of the aristocracy to protect him. Crowley? Aziraphale shook him gently and touched his face, which was still warm, thank heaven. The demon's distinctive eyes fluttered open. As he woke, his face instantly contorted in pain, but there was recognition there as well. Hey, Aziraphale. Oh, my dear, Aziraphale said. Whatever happened to you? Arrow in my thigh. I think it's blessed, Crowley grimaced, 
and Aziraphale quickly scanned downward, for the first time noticing the weapon impaled high in the flesh of Crowley's right leg. He could sense the blessing on it. No wonder the demon had been unable to remove it. Luckily, there was no trace of holy water. The thought of what might have happened if it had been laced with the most potent of blessings, fear struck Aziraphale squarely in the chest. You could have been discorporated, or worse, Crowley. Yes, I know that, Angel. Could have been weeks before my lot got around to looking for me. Bit lazy down in hell these days, just between you and me. That's not what I mean, and you know it, Crowley. You could have... could have been... Yes, but you're here now, Angel. Can you help me get it out? Crowley said, a hint of sarcasm creeping into his voice. Aziraphale had never been so happy to hear it. All right, all right, but we need to do this carefully. You've lost a good deal of blood already. Aziraphale had seen men recover from worse wounds, but the flesh around the arrow shaft was inflamed, which meant they had to act quickly. Crowley flinched as Aziraphale touched him, and Aziraphale couldn't help but think of other times they had touched over the years, giving each other pleasure rather than pain. Will you be able to heal yourself once I get the arrow out? Yeah, I think so, Crowley said, grimacing as he pushed himself up to his elbows. Whatever you do, no matter how bad it looks, don't bless me. Aziraphale nodded and grasped the shaft of the arrow. He worked as quickly as possible, but Crowley grunted and swore, and Aziraphale bit his lower lip, almost feeling the pain of it himself. All right, it's done, he said, after he'd cast the weapon aside. I'm sorry, dear boy. Crowley was panting and sweating, and his wound was bleeding freely. However, mere seconds later, the skin began to knit itself until there was nothing but a little pink puckered scar. Crowley fell back into the muck again and let out a relieved sigh, and Aziraphale realized he'd been clenching his fists so hard he nearly broke the skin of his palms with his nails. These corporations could be such a bother to maintain. They'd spent enough time around each other to know that their corporations were less delicate than those of mere mortals, but there were certain limitations that couldn't be overcome. It truly was a miracle neither of them had been discorporated by now. Good thing you were here, Angel. Where else would I be? Aziraphale frowned. 
He'd served as an informal advisor for the English monarchs ever since King Arthur, which Crowley knew very well. I thought you were in Spain, fermenting or whatever it is you do. I was, but then I got wind of what was going on up here. Thought I'd come to see what all the fuss was about. You were working with William? Not working with, per se. I wasn't fighting, if that's what you're inferring. I guess you could call it a case of right place, wrong time. Right place, Aziraphale repeated, and there was something a bit sheepish in Crowley's expression. You mean you were here because of me? Well, I know how you like to run headlong into danger, Angel. Crowley sat up again. The colour was back in his cheeks, and though he was still caked in mud, he seemed more himself. I do believe there is a saying about a moat and a beam, and yes, it's in Matthew. Spare me, please. I've almost been discorporated. What I would really like is a bath and to get spectacularly drunk. I dare say I agree. I don't suppose we can go back to the Abbey. He had been staying with the Benedictines in Canterbury for the last several years, but visitors weren't readily permitted, and nor was the sort of drunkenness that Crowley clearly had in mind. Yeah, you'd have a hard time explaining me away. And I'm not keen on burning the soles of my feet off. An inn? An inn would be good. There was a place they had met previously, about ten years before, the last time they had seen each other. Agreeing upon it, a room became miraculously available for one plump, rich merchant and his slender travelling companion, and Crowley and Aziraphale met there moments later. The mistress of the house anticipated we would require several bottles of wine, Aziraphale said, gesturing to a small wooden table where two bottles sat, unstoppered, next to two cups. Later she'll send up some food, and the bath should be ready for you. The bath in question was a large wooden basin set in the middle of the floor, filled with steaming water. Other features of the room included a bed only just big enough for two and a window overlooking the courtyard below. In total, it was simple, yet functional, and more private than any room at the Abbey would have been. It also brought back memories of the last time they had been here. That time they had gone nearly a hundred years without seeing each other. Far, far too long. Not wanting to intrude on Crowley, Aziraphale poured himself a glass of wine and sat down on one of the chairs at the table. He turned when he heard splashing and found Crowley in the bath, or as much of him in the bath as could be. Most of his upper torso was unsubmerged and his knees bent awkwardly. 
There was a look of bliss on his face, however, as he reached for the soap and began to remove the layers of grime that had accumulated as he'd lain on the field. How's the wine? Crowley asked, rubbing the hair on his chest in circles and then lifting one arm, then the next, to get underneath. Aziraphale was jealous of the cloth in his hand. He knew that it was quite likely they would end up in bed together by the end of the night, even certain, but he always had difficulty with the transition from the public spaces where they met as enemies or at best acquaintances to these private rooms where they met as themselves. As lovers. Passable, he replied. Bring me a glass. And could I ask for your help? Can't quite reach my back. Of course. Aziraphale stood so quickly he almost knocked over his chair. Crowley must have noticed and grinned at him, but he managed to hold his hand steady as he poured Crowley his glass and brought it to him, leaving his own on the table. Mmm, Crowley said, taking a long sip. Thank whatever brilliant human had the inkling to first try drinking the spoiled grape juice. I believe that would be Noah. I bet he got bored on that long voyage of his. You think he discovered tobacco too? Uh, I think that was probably your lot. Crowley's eyes slipped closed as he drained his glass. Mm, sounds like one of mine, and yet the two pleasures go so beautifully together. One of yours and one of mine. You think it means something, Angel? Aziraphale felt his cheeks warm, and he busied himself with filling Crowley's glass again and then returning to the bath. He knelt behind Crowley and took the cloth Crowley passed him. As the demon drank, Aziraphale washed the dirt and blood off of his back and then, on a whim, began to soap his hair. He used his bare hands to scrub all of the muck away until the strands were clean and silky once more. Crowley was uncharacteristically pliant about it all. He leaned back with his eyes closed as Aziraphale rinsed his scalp and then soaped him up once again for good measure. It felt like a benediction, and even though the thought was blasphemous, here within their private room, Aziraphale couldn't help himself. He'd missed the demon, and he'd almost lost him. Mm, feels good, Crowley said, a little hoarsely. And Aziraphale chanced a glance into the bath to see Crowley's member rising. Aziraphale, who hadn't made an effort in years, felt the same urge in his body, and he let it overtake him. 
His hands lingered on Crowley's shoulders longer than was perfectly necessary, and all was quiet, save for the occasional ripple of the water. Your turn, Angel. Crowley turned his head, and they were so close Aziraphale could see the droplets of water on his eyelashes. No, I'm perfectly all right. I know that you love a bath, Aziraphale. Come on, you had a hard day as well. I'll miracle you clean water. He began to stand, making no move to cover his nakedness. Crowley truly did have a lovely figure, whatever form he wore. He was never ashamed of himself. Even now his part stood proudly out from a thatch of red hair, and Aziraphale wished he looked half as beautiful to Crowley. All was perfect, save for that one small pink scar, and when Aziraphale reached out to touch the little rise of puckered skin, Crowley shuddered. Later, he would put his lips there. All right, Aziraphale said, swallowing deeply as he got to his feet. He fiddled with the stays on his tunic and pulled it off, followed by his undergarments and hose. All the while, he could feel the demon's eyes tracking his movements, and when he lifted his gaze, he saw his own desire reflected back at him. You're a sight for sore eyes, said Crowley, taking him in, and Aziraphale flushed pink from the tips of his ears to his member, which was rapidly hardening. Here, the bath's all yours. Crowley stood and wrapped a cloth around his waist, and then, once firmly on dry ground, offered his hand to Aziraphale, helping him to sit. It was a tight squeeze, but Aziraphale made do. Crowley had left him with perfumed hot water, and it felt marvellous after the last several days of work on the battlefield. Do you want any help, Angel? I... I'm quite all right, thank you. He didn't know why he'd refused. The idea of Crowley washing him sounded lovely, but force of habit had him speaking before he could stop the words in his mouth. Suit yourself, Crowley said with a little shrug, wiggling out of his towel, which fell to the floor. More wine? In a moment. He washed quickly. If he were alone, he would have lingered for an hour or more, but Crowley was pouring another glass of wine for himself, entirely at ease in his nudity, and then retiring to the bed and making all sorts of contented sounds as he lay down, and Aziraphale wanted nothing more than to be in his arms. He dried himself with a second cloth, and debated whether or not to put his clothing on, 
realized he was being ridiculous and went to Crowley in the bed. The demon was waiting for him there, his member lying softly against his unscarred thigh. You seem tense, Angel. Bath didn't help. Do I? A bit. It's been a trying several days. Aziraphale folded his arms across his chest. Awful business, Crowley agreed. Are you just going to stand there? I think I might know something that can help you relax. The predatory gleam in his eyes made Aziraphale shiver. Well, budge up, said Aziraphale. Crowley made a show of stretching and then languorously slid over, leaving just enough room for Aziraphale to lie on the bed, and Aziraphale did so, wondering how the demon could so quickly forget what had happened on the battlefield. His own doubts returned to him. If Aziraphale had been on the right side of the conflict, how could William's forces triumph? All of those humans, all of those lives lost, so that one man could have dominion over more land than he needed, it was depressing in its familiarity. Of course, he couldn't voice these concerns to the demon. It wasn't very angelic to doubt. A warm hand on his arm, warm lips kissing his neck, brought him back to himself. Angel, what's wrong? Aziraphale turned so that they lay face to face. All that death, doesn't it bother you? Cause it does. Crowley said, his smile growing rueful. I just... I know we won't have a lot of time, so I'd rather not think about it now. I can think about it later, once you've gone. There was truth to Crowley's words. They never knew when they would see each other again. And it was common for soldiers who had bled or killed in battle to be driven to relieve their tension with lusty pursuits after the fact. Perhaps Crowley was like those men. Sure, yes, you're quite right. He attempted a smile, and Crowley smiled back at him. And I'm sorry that I got nearly discorporated. Or worse. They moved at the same time, mouths and bodies connecting, and then it was easy to do as Crowley had asked and push all other thoughts aside. Aziraphale always wondered, when they'd parted, if he had imagined the electric connection between them, but every time they came together again, he knew he had been a fool. Every touch of Crowley's large, capable hands lit up nerves he never knew he possessed. He could feel each stroke like a welcome brand on his skin. The demon kissed his way down Aziraphale's body, 
pausing to mouth at his nipple the plush curve of his belly, and then, with a truly demonic grin, knelt between his thighs to take his member into his mouth. Aziraphale had grown soft, but it only took seconds for him to fill again, and soon his part was filling Crowley's mouth, looking quite obscene. Crowley sucked him vigorously, and Aziraphale fisted his hands in the coarse woolen blanket beneath him, watching as his wet phallus slid against Crowley's lips. He couldn't help letting out a moan when Crowley took him down to the root, or the whimper of protest that escaped him seconds later when Crowley pulled off. I've got an idea, Angel. Oh, dear. It's nothing bad, just something new. Wanna try? Aziraphale nodded, breathless. Crowley knew the way of those things much better than he, and he trusted him with this, implicitly. A rearrangement was required. Crowley helped Aziraphale to move farther down the bed, away from the pillows, and then he surprised Aziraphale by switching position so that they were head to foot, or rather, something even more indecent, Crowley's heart member was very close to Aziraphale's lips, as was Aziraphale's to Crowley's, and all of a sudden what Crowley wanted to try became clear. Crowley encouraged Aziraphale to enter his mouth, and he began to suck him again, this time with slow, decadent pulls that made Aziraphale's toes curl. He panted against Crowley's leg, the little hairs on the demon's thigh stirring as he breathed, and then he kissed the pink scar left by the arrow. It was such a tiny thing, really. It would appear to anyone else almost insignificant. But Aziraphale knew that he would always see in it the threat of Crowley's annihilation. You're still thinking, Crowley said, breathing heavily as he pulled off again. Stop it. Sorry, Aziraphale said. I obviously need to work a little harder if you're thinking about something other than me. I'm thinking of you, he admitted, tracing the scar with his finger. I'm right here, Angel. Crowley applied his mouth again, and Aziraphale turned his attention to the tip of Crowley's swollen prick. His mouth watered to taste it. He darted out his tongue to lick the bead of fluid there, and then ran his tongue around the firm, spongy head of it. Crowley made an encouraging noise from down below, so Aziraphale gripped him with one hand and went to his task. He had only done this to Crowley twice before and was anything but practiced, 
but Crowley seemed to like what he was doing. He was rewarded with a little spill of salt onto his tongue for his efforts, and he redoubled them. Down below, Crowley did something positively sinful with his tongue, and Aziraphale had to leave off to concentrate on the sensations. He couldn't help thrusting his hips a little, but Crowley didn't seem to mind. He encouraged it, his hands gripping Aziraphale's behind and urging him on. For some long moments, Aziraphale was awash in pleasure as Crowley teased and tormented him, sucking him slowly and sensually as his fingers played below, one of them finding the way inside of him and thrusting there gently while he went about his other work. Aziraphale was only vaguely aware he was supposed to be doing something in return as he neared his peak, and then, with a cry of relief, climaxed into Crowley's mouth. The pulsing, exquisite pleasure seemed to go on for a good while, possibly because it had been quite a long time, and when it was finally over, Aziraphale felt utterly sated and spent. Crowley, however, was still in a dire predicament, and Aziraphale took pity on him, stroking the hard shaft as he sucked on the tip, and only a second later he welcomed Crowley's own seed, swallowing it down hungrily. The demon grinned up from between his thighs. Did you like that? You seemed to enjoy yourself. Aziraphale flushed. Yes, obviously. Why must you make me say these things? He licked his lips as Crowley sat up and stretched his arms above him, looking more like a cat than a snake. I like to make you blush, Angel. Surely you monks must get up to worse in that monastery of yours. Aziraphale pursed his lips, feeling suddenly self-conscious. I don't know what you mean, my dear. I don't partake in such activities with humans. You don't? Crowley seemed shocked, as though the idea of abstention had never occurred to him. You must. No, I mustn't. Aziraphale pulled up the blanket around his hips. Something uncomfortable was occurring to him. Of course he had never expected Crowley to live a celibate life. His line of work in particular must require the opposite at times, being about temptation and all of that. Still... Though Aziraphale knew Crowley was experienced in matters of the flesh, he had never thought too much on what that meant in practice. He found he was not entirely comfortable with the idea, and more than that, he disliked the way jealousy made his corporation feel. Clammy and slightly sick. It was such an unpleasant feeling. 
Ah, Crowley said, seemingly abashed. Sorry, I just thought... I have been thinking, however, about what you previously proposed. An arrangement? So that we may help each other out on occasion? Aziraphale said, wanting to change the subject. The demon perked up. Yeah? I do think that it might work in both of our favours. And save us both a lot of work, Crowley added. And that, yes, necessarily. What made you come around? Oh, I don't know. You were quite right, what you said long ago, in that nasty hovel during the first snow. Do you remember? They never do check up, do they? Aziraphale smoothed the blanket down around his hips. They were sitting close again, face to face, and Crowley had reached for his wine again, but still made no move to cover his nudity. Aziraphale couldn't help admiring him. At the beginning of it all, he had wondered if whatever was between them was just a passing curiosity, but it had been thousands of years, and he still felt exactly the same, if not more invested, every time they met. He didn't want so many years to go by before the next time. Nope, not as far as I've seen. I had noticed you're a little freer with the... Crowley wiggled his fingers. Then you used to be. Crowley! I meant magic angel. Indeed, Aziraphale snorted. So is that amenable to you? Yeah, it's amenable, angel. Shall we toast? Crowley climbed out of the bed and slunk toward the table where Aziraphale had previously abandoned his wine, then poured them both a refill. The light from the window beyond framed his body, accentuating his dark angles and hidden places. Precious places. To a new arrangement. Crowley said, passing Aziraphale his glass. A new arrangement, Aziraphale echoed, feeling quite content.